Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you in the month of August, and you know what that means. It's Rankings Friday. So we're coming at you today with our top 12 quarterbacks as well as uh, kind of some strategy on how to approach the quarterback position this year specifically uh, and in general in fantasy football, but especially this year. So, Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. As you mentioned, as Corey mentioned, we're going to be dulging into these top 12 quarterbacks. Can't wait. Our lists are pretty similar, but once you see how they compare to the consensus, you guys will be shitting bricks. So, yeah, we're so ready. we'll hit the intro and then uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. So we're going to get into the strategy of the quarterback position first, just because that's probably the more important part. Because uh, as much as me and Danny think our rankings are, are accurate and, and, and all that stuff, we're going to be wrong about shit. You're going to be wrong about shit. Like it, it, that's just how fantasy football works. So the strategy is really the more important part. And everyone knows this by now. And if you don't, you've been kind of living under a rock. But late round quarterback is king. That's the first thing I want to start off with. And here's why. The difference in fantasy points last year between Christian McCaffrey, who was the RB1, and Aaron Jones, who was the RB2, was larger than the difference between Dak Prescott, who was the QB2, to Daniel Jones, who was the QB23. Yeah, so I'm, the difference is massive. 22 quarterbacks, or 21 quarterbacks, in between Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones before you got to, like, a top-tier running back. Yeah, that, that's insane to look at. I was actually, uh, you guys will get a little sneak peek on tomorrow's video. Uh, we're going to be having a, a huge ADP battles between uh, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, is the matchup I'm going to be talking about. But basically looking at the landscape of the running back position last year, Christian McCaffrey averaged nine fantasy points per game more than the next closest guy last year. Keep that in mind. So when you're, when you're talking about, again, the big disparity, as Corey mentioned, I mean, nine fantasy points per game at the quarterback position is literally between, uh, as you mentioned, quarterback two and quarterback 23. That's insane. That's literally insane to think about. So as Corey mentioned, it's a scarcer position, especially in a one QB. We're not talking about Superflex. Obviously, that's going to change a lot. And um, it's just more valuable getting the guys at the top. So, yes, late round quarterback is king. I'm not spending an early pick on a guy just because I really like the guy, uh, especially if it's a one QB. If it's a Superflex, you kind of get into that, like, territory but one QB is just punt the position there's so much value at the top of the running back receiver positions that like just don't do it yeah and even in a super flex league I tend to shy away from like the top eight or so guys I, I usually go for more of the like middle tier of quarterbacks and uh so the late round quarterback strategy and why it works is unless you get Lamar Jackson last year or Patrick Mahomes in 2018 both of whom were late round quarterbacks not early picks those years it is not worth the positional advantage to invest heavily in the quarterback position. And as I mentioned, you didn't even invest heavily in those guys uh, the years that they had their monster seasons. So not, um, not only that, guys like Matt Ryan and Drew Brees, who are higher-end quarterbacks, they're quarterback ones most likely for everyone, will likely net you a bust week more often than if you streamed the matchups between two late-rounders like a Ryan Tannehill and a Gardner Minshew. Or if you literally just pick up guys off the scrap heap if you're in more of a shallower league and good matchups. So if you pick up Derek Carr, for example, plays the Panthers week one, he's likely going to outperform guys that you had to pick in the top 10 rounds of your fantasy draft. The way you think about it too, like realistically, if you're making a DFS lineup, like obviously that's not season long and that's not best ball. We're just playing hypothetical. If you're picking a DFS lineup, 
quarterback's position that you're going to stream the most. You're going to stream good matchups the most at that position because you know, let's be honest here, there are a lot of quarterbacks week in, week out that could have uh, a weekly quarterback one ceiling. It's pretty That's- easy to predict too. Like you're, you're more likely or not, you can hit like a 60 to 70% like clip of just guessing like average quarterbacks mm-hmm. against good matchups. Like, and like I said, that's more than like the, uh, the bust rates of like elite, like borderline elite quarterbacks last year. Dak Prescott finishes as a QB one in like 62.5% of games. So if you can, you can basically get the QB two who was Dak Prescott last year, if you stream matchups and you're good at it, which is not really that hard to do. 100%. And talking about Dak, talking about Lamar, the top two quarterbacks last year, we're both outside of the top 10 quarterbacks taken last year. Yeah. So, I mean, the value at the position, again, like there's going to be guys we're going to mention. We're going to be mentioning Gardner Minshew later on, Matt Stafford, those type of guys. I mean, realistically, you're getting them outside the top 10 quarterbacks. But between what, quarterback seven or eight and like quarterback 15, there's not too much of a difference even in my opinion. Like it's, it's pretty crazy to think about. Obviously, we're going to get into it. But before we do that, I mean, anything else you want to add or – yeah, so I want to go over last year's quarterbacks just to show people what they're kind of because it's easy for me to say, oh, well, like the quarterbacks that are going early aren't going to work out because we don't know that yet. But hindsight's always twenty twenty. So I'm going to put this up on the screen uh, right now. These were the top twelve quarterbacks drafted in ADP uh, over Labor Day weekend, which is when a lot of people do fantasy drafts uh, right before the season started last year. And as you can see, guys like Baker, uh, even Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. All these guys either had disappointing stretches in 2019, outright busted, or just dealt with injuries, which is why you don't want to invest heavily into this position because it is so replaceable. And again, we're talking about one quarterback leagues. In the super flex leagues, it it becomes a little bit more different. But in general, sticking to the later round quarterback approach, the, the quarterback 12 through 20 kind of range is where I typically aim to grab a quarterback because I play in a league where people don't always follow that kind of late round quarterback approach. So I do need to grab quarterbacks early than if I was in like an expert league and everyone punts the position. But even still, I know it's tempting to pick, pick these guys. I know guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson just seemed like absolute locks for like elite production. But we thought that last year and Patrick Mahomes was far from that. Even though he had a good season, he got injured and he also faced a lot of negative touchdown regression. So JJ Zachariasen is the guy who founded this kind of approach to fantasy football, the late round quarterback on Twitter, I believe is what his handle is. Yeah. And Basically, what he said is of all the fantasy positions, we've historically as an industry been the worst at predicting the top end quarterbacks preseason to during the season. We're good at it in terms of streaming week over week, but we're not good at it in terms of this guy's going to have a good season. That guy's not going to have a good season. Like of the, the running backs, wide receivers and tight ends. In general, we're just better at predicting that, which is why there's no point of taking quarterbacks early. Essentially. I mean, you showed the graphic from last year, like eight out of the 12 12- uh, quarterbacks we had ranked there were pretty much like I don't want to say bust, but like had issues, injuries, bust in general. Like we we just showed that graphic alone. Eight out of twelve, I just counted eight out of twelve. Like it, it's just crazy. Like that type of disparity doesn't happen at any other position, as you mentioned. So taking a quarterback early, if especially for example, you need your quarterback if you take him in the top three, two or three quarterbacks. He needs to be an every week starter for you, and realistically, only four of these guys probably were. Exactly, maybe so, five if you include Mahomes, but he got hurt. So, yeah. Either way, so let's get into our rankings. For, basically, I just discredited everything we're about to talk about by saying that we're not good at predicting them. But 
we're going to start and do our best and, and try and figure out who's the best quarterbacks to take in fantasy this year. And again, it's a very deep position and it's very, um, it's not scarce at all if you play in a one quarterback league. So again, I would advise punting the position if you can in, in the league type that you're in. So for sure, uh, for our consensus between me and you, we actually have a different quarterback one. So uh, tied for first are Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And obviously they're both like stud options. <laughs> Mahomes to me, the reason I have Lamar as one is Mahomes has a week, a lower weekly floor due to the fact that he's predominantly a throwing quarterback. Like he's going to get most of his fantasy points through the air and the chiefs are a great team. And if they're wiping the floor with a team, like they're just kicking the shit out of them it might re- uh, lead to reduced volume in like the second half of games. And I know I'm like really nitpicking by saying something like that, but having Lamar have like 170 plus carries. Um, and I don't think that's going to slow down. It may- maybe some people think it's going to, I don't think it's going to, they have a top five rushing schedule in terms of how easy it is against the run. And that just really provides Lamar Jackson, a steady baseline week over week. And if Mahomes for whatever reason only throws like one or zero touchdowns in a game, maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire runs in two of them or whatever, because they're still going to score a lot of points, the Kansas city yeah. chiefs, but he's likely going to disappoint if like the rushing attack takes over the, the volume or the touchdown volume that week for whatever reason. Whereas Lamar, yeah. he's averaging over 60 rush yards per game over his career and nearly half a rushing touchdown. He has like an eight to not eight to 10 point, like weekly floor just on his rushing. Yeah. I mean, the thing here is here, it's a coin flip for me. You want to go Lamar, you want to go Patrick Mahomes. I am perfectly fine with either having either ranked at one. Reason why I do have Mahomes is simply put, I mean, if this guy's playing a full 16 games, you could basically lock him in for nearly 5,000 passing yards and 40 passing touchdowns. Probably, yeah. And, all, and that's rare to say about a quarterback. <laughs> it, it, it's just insane to think about. I mean, we saw it. Obviously, I'm not going to reference like 2018 as just the baseline of what we could see again because i mean that was a top five passing season of all time pretty much his first season as a starter 50 touchdowns but i mean that's the type of upside you get with Mahomes in the passing game yes lamar jackson from the rushing standpoint 176 rushing attempts is basically unmatched by any other quarterback in the league i mean you're just not going to see that uh the ultimate reason why i kind of have Mahomes slightly above again this is literally like a fingernail type difference. Yeah. Like that's, that's literally how close you're dealing with here. It's just in terms of uh passing uh, regression, I can kind of see, I mean, his 9% touchdown rate is a little bit high. Again, he's the type of player where I do think he's going to be higher than the average. Lamar that you're referring than, to, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Lamar, Lamar. Sorry. He's going to be higher than the average. going to be higher than around four and a half, five percent. Yep. We usually see from people, but I mean, 9% has to go down. I mean, he threw the ball. Uh, one of the least amount of times in the entire league yet still had 36 passing touchdowns, 3,200 yards only, but 36 passing touchdowns. You normally don't see that type of ratio of uh, basically a hundred, like a hundred times. You know what I mean? 30, you yeah. usually see it's at, okay. So uh, ultimately I can see that happening a little bit. I can see him being more in the 25, 26 passing touchdown range, which is, is probably a better estimate. Not to mention, I mean, the Ravens, as you mentioned, are going to be a very good team. They're going to be shit pumping kids, you know. But yeah. so realistically, I mean, do they really want to uh, have Lamar rushing again 176 times when they're shit kicking kids? Like they want him to be preserved for the playoffs. I can kind of see. So I mean, again, he's going to run the ball a ton. I'm just not 100 percent sure if I can see 176 attempts again. Maybe he still gets in that 150 area. But I mean, this is literally a coin flip. You want to go with either, I'm fine. I just ultimately feel a little bit safer with having Mahomes because I know uh, he has the baseline for the offense. Lamar has the rushing baseline. I understand that. 
But with Mahomes, I know what I'm getting, especially in the passing game, which is ultimately the little edge I would give uh, for the Chiefs quarterback there. Yeah, my my kind of rebuttal to the passing touchdown regression is the fact that he's going to see receive uh, rushing touchdown regression positively because based on the amount of carries he had and the amount of yardage he had, he didn't have that many rushing touchdowns, and he should based on especially the red zone usage that he had as a runner. So that that's just my only argument against that. Again, these guys are both studs. If you're in a yeah. super flex league, they're they're first round picks. Like it's that's how it works. If you're in a uh, a one quarterback league, if they're there in like the third round, I they're really tempting to even to me yeah. who I, I don't really like picking quarterbacks early as we mentioned. But Lamar Jackson, especially if he's there in the third round, he's basically an RB one and a quarterback one combined. So for, sure. for me, Mahomes not so much. I, I'm I'm okay passing Mahomes in the third round, but Lamar to me is the one I, I'd have a problem uh, passing. That's definitely fair. Again, it, it, this is more so in the season long, setting your lineup every week type leagues where we're, we're kind of saying the late round quarterback, especially when you're in a best ball, it's a little bit different because you do chase weekly upside. You do chase yep. weekly ceiling. So if a guy like Mahomes, if a guy like Lamar is there in the third round, especially in a best ball, and you're able to take them as your third selected player, that's a little different. But yeah, uh, typically season long, we're punting the position in a one quarterback league. Super flex, you can get into it. It's a little bit different. Uh, we actually are uh, our consensus three is Dak Prescott your three is Deshaun Watson my three is Dak uh, but because you have Dak at four it ultimately took the percentage uh, for the consensus a little over but uh, talk about Dak and why he is uh, your four in our consensus three and I'll get into him after yeah so Dak Prescott I don't know if people have realized this but he's never finished lower than the quarterback 11 over his four-year career like he's been the model of consistency for pretty much like, I don't think – I'm pretty sure there's only, like, one other quarterback who's done that. It might be, like, Jared Goff, to be honest. Yeah. But um, uh, he's surrounded by the greatest supporting cast he's ever had. And we saw last year with how good his supporting cast was last year, he blew up. Like, he had a monster season. So, he's under pressure, too, uh, to play well. He's chasing a big contract. And I think just based on what I've heard about Dak's personality and stuff, he's going to be up to the challenge. And I know that's kind of a stupid narrative for fantasy, but it probably matters for real football, which will um, – yeah obviously translate to fantasy. So yeah, Dak Prescott, I, I'm going to, you're going to hear me say this a couple times during this video. You, you basically want the quarterbacks with the best weapons because that's how you're going to propel yourself into high end fantasy production. And if we can't choose between Amari Cooper, between Michael Gallup, between CeeDee Lamb, between Blake Jarwin, between Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard in the passing game, chances are that Dak Prescott's going to have a monster season. For sure. I mean, you guys know how uh, high I am on Dask, Dak, yeah, Dak Prescott in general. I mean, I, I beat the drum for this guy basically any opportunity I get. But, I mean, this, this is just a no-brainer to me. This is my QB3, and realistically, like, I would not be surprised. Again, may, say, may sound a little biased. I would not be surprised if we ended up seeing him enter that, like, elite territory. Again, he was quarterback two last year. People kind of forget that because – a negative stigma around Dak. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, give me a break. But anyways, I'm going to get into it. As Corey mentioned, best weapons of his career. Just basing it off of last year, I'm going to – well, Corey's going to put the uh, numbers on the screen quick, uh, if you remember. Yeah, but I will. Sec second in completed air yards. Second in overall passing yards. Fifth in intended air yards per attempt. Second in intended air yards. Fourth in passing touchdown. Uh, passing touchdown, sorry. First in on-target throws. First in the league in drops, so his receiving core dropped the most passes in the league. Only 21st in throwaways and 14th in picks. And he was sixth in complete, uh, completion percentage above expectation. So one of the, the most efficient quarterbacks in the league, yet people want to consistently say, oh, he's mediocre, he's average. Like That's such an uninformed opinion that I don't take those people seriously. 
Ultimately here, if you're looking at the changes between 2019 and 2020, the team fired Jason Garrett, who kind of held the offense back. I mean, yes, Kellen Moore did dictate himself a little bit more in 2019, but in critical game situations, Jason Garrett hindered that offense completely. Uh, so if you're looking at the splits between 2017 and 2019, Jason Garrett's average is a 55% pass-to-run split, while Mike McCarthy, over the course of his coaching career, has a 63% average. So 8% discrepancy there. I do think that Mike McCarthy is going to have a lot more influence on the offense in being more of a pass-centric team. Yes, Ezekiel is obviously going to be involved, so it may not be 63%. But even if it stays at that 59 60% as it was last year, I'm more than fine with him. Uh, 596 attempts. So that was only actually sixth league wide. So when people think, oh, Dallas passing offense, there's a lot of attempts, a lot of volume. I mean, yes, it was a lot, but people think that it's going to be the most in the league. It was actually only sixth. So realistically, while the game script is going to be affected, I do think the Cowboys are going to be a better team. There's still room for improvement in terms of the increase in pass percentage to ultimately supplement that volume that would be lost with the game script. So ultimately, we're talking about weapons right now. C.D. Lamb replaces Randall Cobb. I love Randall Cobb. He's a very good, efficient player. But CeeDee Lamb was my number one wide receiver in the 2020 NFL draft for a reason. That kid is special out of Oklahoma. He is a perfect complement to what the Cowboys have in their receiving court currently in Amari Cooper. And Michael Gallup, not to mention, Blake Jarwin's going to be entering a, uh, a more prime role with the addition by subtraction in losing Witten. Because let's be honest, one of the most inefficient tight ends in the league. Last greatest year. photo of all time, though, is the picture of him in his Raiders uniform. <laughs> For sure. I mean, he's the epitome of catch it and drop. But like literally, like he, I don't think he got a single yard, yard after the catch last year. But ultimately, like Mike Gusecki. <laughs> that's the passing volume for Dak. We all know that the weapons, the passing efficiency, the passing volume. And then he also provides you that little bit of rushing upside. I mean, 52 attempts was the lowest amount he had in his entire four-year career last year. And three rushing touchdowns it should face positive regression because the three years prior, he hit six, six, and six. So we should expect it to be a little higher than three. So, I mean, ultimately here, Dak Prescott is a locked and loaded top four quarterback and people who are trying to tell you otherwise, like, don't let him. He's going to be fantastic. So, I, I fire up the stonks into 2020. Yeah, I'm not going to add any more on Dak because I knew you would write a lot. That's why I wrote a little. So, um, sure. Deshaun Watson is uh, currently my quarterback three. There's actually pretty decent discrepancy considering I have him at three. The ECR on him is six and the ADP on him is six. And you have yeah. him at five, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, three to five is so similar for me. Like, yeah. I'm fine with the, any of them. Yeah, and it's worth noting, actually. I guess you'll see the tiers on the screen, so I don't need to describe this. But Prescott to Wilson, who are uh, our quarterbacks uh, three through seven, I believe, are all in the same tier, and they're kind of interchangeable, in my opinion. So on to Deshaun Watson. The, the rushing attack and the defense are bad in Houston. Like, they're just straight up bad. Like, DJ Reader's gone in the Houston Texans front. That's going to be literally, like, stop J.J. Watt and you'll stop the Texans defense. Like, Justin Reed's, like, their only other good player on that defense. Whitney so, Merciless is, is not the same player he used to yeah, be. Yeah, like, the, the defense is going to be shitty. I could see if – and I owned Russell Wilson in 2017, so I remember what this was like. It was all on Russell Wilson's shoulders that year. They had no run game. Their defense was, like, decimated by injuries. Like, Richard Sherman tore his Achilles. Like, Earl Thomas, like, broke his leg or something. Like, the whole defense was decimated, and Russ was a QB1 that year. Why? You give an elite talent at quarterback, which Deshaun Watson is, high volume, big play receivers. Yes, I know um, Hopkins is gone, but Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are just, like, field-stretching guys that help the quarterback out. So, he has no rushing attack. 
defense that will keep him throwing, good things are going to happen. As I mentioned, Russ in 2017 was the QB1 because he basically just did everything himself. And Watson is basically the AFC version of Russell Wilson. So he also presents a high floor too because he carried the ball 82 times last year, which was top five among quarterbacks. And he had seven rushing touchdowns. And that was second among quarterbacks. And I know we all assume Watson rushes the ball a lot, but he's like borderline like an elite runner of the football for the, for the quarterback position, which definitely boosts your stats along with being an elite passer himself. For sure. I mean, you, you mentioned it. The Watson slander in the industry right now really needs to stop. I mean, quarterback six is pretty much, in my opinion, just It's just because Hopkins is gone. That's the only reason he's quarterback Literally, six. I mean, yes, okay, it doesn't look on paper. It doesn't look like a, a big jump because I have my quarterback five. But realistically, like you mentioned Russell Wilson being in the tier through consensus. I see a little bit of a gap even between Watson and Wilson personally in redraft this year. Uh, we'll get into that later on. But with Watson, I mean, stop, stop sleeping on him. Yes, Hopkins, losing Hopkins going to hurt. I mean, in my opinion, he is a, we're going to talk about with Kyler, but he is a top two receiver in the league for me. He's a second best receiver in terms of talent behind Julio Jones. But realistically here, they did sign weapons. Randall Cobb, $9 million average per year contract. And then they traded for Brandon Cooks, who, when healthy, is one of the best 15 receivers in the NFL, in my opinion. And they still have guys like Will Fuller and Kenny Stills who can stretch the field when they are on and healthy. So ultimately here, that passing vol- uh, volume is going to be there. I mean, you guys have heard all offseason how off of the rushing game I am in Houston with David Johnson, Duke Johnson. The Johnson bros aren't going to be an efficient rushing attack. And, I mean, Corey just mentioned, I mean, that defense is really going to take a step back, especially losing a guy like DJ Reader, who's one of the three best nose tackles in the NFL, in my opinion. So, I mean, ultimately here, due to volume, due to rushing upside, due to ultimate uh, – ability to stretch the field. I do think Watson's going to continue his Supreme as a top five fantasy quarterback. And it should really be under no denial in my opinion. So I agree with you fully. I mean, he's your quarterback three. He's my quarterback five, that three to five range is basically interchangeable for me. So uh, definitely happy with any one of those three guys. For sure. Let's try and rip through, through these a little bit yeah. quicker. I don't want this to be too long. So Kyler Murray's our quarterback five <coughs> consensus and uh, Murray's quite similar to Watson in that his defense is probably going to force him to throw a lot yet again, even though they did add some pieces to it. And it, it is still a good, like on paper, it seems like it could be a good defense, but based on the pace that they allowed, they just were not good last year. And again, Mur- you're going to see a similar theme. We like guys who can run the football, 93 carries, 19 red zone carries, 544 yards and four rushing touchdowns as a rookie for Kyler Murray last year, he's going to continue to improve as a passer and probably as a runner as well as a thrower. The addition of Hopkins, uh, much to the dismay of Deshaun Watson's fantasy value, is a huge deal for Kyler Murray because now he has a number one target. Christian Kirk's going to mature as a player. Steady Larry Fitzgerald's still there. The two running backs can catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield. And the rest of the young receivers are probably going to develop as well. Kyler has a lot of weapons. He, he's going he's gonna to get carried to some fantasy production as a result of some of these weapons. And it's not, it's not very hard to see him finishing as like a breakout, uh, having a breakout season and having a, a great fantasy season as well. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, uh, the, the industry has obviously caught up to him. I mean, they have him in the tier where he rightfully should be. I mean, if you're looking at it, he was a quarterback eight as a rookie in 2019. The team added, as I mentioned, a top two wide receiver in the league for me in DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that guy is fantastic. Deion, uh, Deshaun Watson's best friend. He's going now to Arizona. That should be a great fit, especially uh, for Kyler. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing to have for a second-year quarterback and getting a guy like that. But, I mean, for Kyler uh, progressing to 2020 in his second 
season. There's going to be natural progression and familiarity in Cliff Kingsbury's system, especially if they resort back to the air raid, which we saw a little bit at the beginning of the season. Now you got DeAndre Hopkins, you got more weapons to really work with. Uh, and in general, I mean, I, we should be expecting better efficiency in the red zone. I mean, they were one, like you turn on a Cardinals game, they're always kicking basically they kicked like seven field goals from the one yard line. I swear to God, I had it's Kyler insane. Murray last year and it was the most annoying thing ever. And it's insane. I mean, if they increase that efficiency and not kick 19 to like 30 yard field goals, I mean, they're going to be a much more successful team, especially in fantasy football. And ultimately here, I mean, Kyler's going to take that next step towards fantasy superstardom. I mean, he still has plenty uh, to improve on as a passer. I do think he has the natural skill set, the natural ability to be able to take that stride. And as you mentioned, I mean, he had the second highest rushing yards per game behind Lamar Jackson at the position. He had 34 rushing yards per game. Ultimately here, he's a guy who has plenty upside in the passing game and gives you that rushing baseline to and potentially be an enormous uh, – fantasy football contributor for your team so he is my quarterback four right now but as i mentioned that three to five is pretty interchangeable yeah i actually <laughs> do see russell wilson uh who's our next guy at number six in this tier and the reason is because he has elite upside and mainly because he's so good and he's mr unlimited so that makes a lot of sense but um he has uh th the reason i like him more this year than i usually do is because he has two elite receiving options in my opinion i think if dk metcalf is able to take a step forward <laughs> we could see a freaking jump that that Josh Gordon saw his second year. Like I think DK yeah. Metcalf is that good and has that much potential. And same goes for like Tyler Lockett's like just criminally slept on. And he's basically, t I, he, I see him the kind of the same way as T Y Hilton, to be honest, like they're just, yeah. they're two really good receivers and the run game will struggle this year. In my opinion, that's why I don't own a lot of Chris Carson and I probably won't going forward. He's been banged up and Carlos Hyde's okay and stuff but like the rushing attack is not going to be that good and I think it's going to lie on the shoulder of Russell Wilson to carry his team similar to the way he did in 2017 despite his low volume overall he ranked number three in the NFL in deep attempts number two in the NFL in red zone attempts and highly in air yards he uh, his two receivers ranked top five in end zone attempts among the receiver position so they don't really run the ball in the red zone which is a big deal because we saw with Aaron Rodgers during his prime that was a big reason why Aaron Rodgers used to throw so many touchdowns is because they just threw the ball in the red zone. So, yeah, I mean, Jordy Nelson days, you remember that? Yeah, James Jones had like fucking 14 touchdowns 16, yeah, one year. 16 touchdowns the year. Dez had 15 or 14, I believe. Yeah, and I could More see that. something similar for Metcalf. If Metcalf has like 12 touchdowns this year, it wouldn't shock me because he was like top five in the NFL in red zone targets and the guy's an absolute fucking freak of nature. So I don't know how the hell you guard him in the red zone. <laughs> Um, it's fun. It's, again, he also adds a rushing floor. Like Russell Wilson's 75 carries, 300-ish yards, and a couple rushing scores every year. It's funny that you mentioned that too because you, you mentioned DK Metcalf is one of the leaders in uh, red zone targets. When Wasn't Tyler Lockett literally number one? He was four. Yeah. Uh, okay, there you go. Like yeah. it, it's just insane to me. Like those two receivers are so relied upon in the red zone. Uh, again, as I mentioned, the reason why like Wilson's kind of like heading – I guess like his own tier for me right now is simply due to the base volume. I mean, I know it's, it's kind of a lazy argument to make, but realistically here, uh, I mean, 50% in neutral game strips, passing volume isn't really going to cut it for me uh, to really give you that top two upside uh, to enter. I mean, we've seen it from him in the past, so I wouldn't put it past him. It's just, it's really concerning for me because again, as you mentioned, Chris Carson uh, what is going to be entering her. Maybe the running game isn't going to be as good. But, I mean, it was still there last year. It was still evident last year. And with Russell Wilson, he kind of tailed off at the end of the season. He's kind of 
inconsistent throughout. So, I mean, we'll see. I do love, I mean, I'm going to talk about the pros right now of Russell Wilson. I mean, when it's talking who's the actual best quarterback in the NFL, he's a clear top two and there's really no debate. I mean, it's him and Mahomes. And if you argue anybody else ahead of those two, I'm actually going to fight anybody on that plain and simple. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really concerning the volume, which is ultimately why he's at six. But again, if he had the guaranteed volume of any of the five guys ahead of him, he would, he would be a top two quarterback for me. Man, like he, he threw 550 times in 2017, and he threw 516 last year. If he gets up to that 550 mark, he's going to be a top three quarterback, in my opinion. Like, he's just that I good. That. And his weapons are, good, like, field-stretching, big-play guys. Like, he's too good not to be a top three quarterback if he gets 550 attempts, which the one time it's happened in his career, he was the QB1. So... Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything if else could, on Russ, or can we move on to Josh Allen here? And nothing much. Again, it's just the mention of the if the pass splits do increase, then we could definitely see that type of upside to where he does enter that fray as a top three quarterback again. But yeah, let's, let's go into Josh Allen and like we'll say the first concise, clear tier two option then after the top six. Yeah. So Josh Allen is basically boosted by his rushing work entirely. Like he had 109 carries, 510 yards. <laughs> 22 red zone carries and nine rushing touchdowns last year. His passing efficiency and productivity should increase theoretically with Stephon Diggs. But I mean, we saw this with Mitch Trubisky, kind of a promising second year from Josh Allen and then just an absolute tank of uh, of a season um, in terms of what Mitch Trubisky's career uh, arc looked like. But the other side of the spectrum is also possible. It's possible that uh, Josh Allen improving last year as a real life quarterback could result in a huge jump in year three. And it could actually evolve him. If, if Josh Allen were to have like a 30 passing touchdown season, which is like be a huge breakout for him, but it's not like a crazy fucking season that would be completely unpredictable. He'd be an elite fantasy quarterback because yeah. he would, again, he averages like 500 rushing yards a season and he's probably going to get like six to 10 rushing touchdowns again. So if he has like any kind of progression as a thrower of the ball, it's going to offset any kind of rushing touchdown regression that he might experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my first note, my first point when we got into Josh Allen literally says rushing, rushing, rushing. As you mentioned, 109 carries, 22 attempts in the red zone, nine rushing touchdowns. That is just, that's RB type numbers, realistically. (laughs) Maybe not the 109 attempts, but the 22 red zone carries and the nine rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's just insane. So, I mean, ultimately here, yes, he's not the most refined passer by any means. I mean, he's got plenty of work to do in that regard. I think we can both acknowledge that. But, I mean, there's so much room for improvement for him. Natural progression as a player. Add one of the top 11, 12 receivers in the game and Stefan Diggs. I mean, John Brown and Beasley and maybe Dawson Knox takes a step forward. Maybe Singletary something in the passing game. Like, it's very possible that Josh Allen could have, like, like a couple years ago when Jared Goff was, like, an elite fantasy option at quarterback where he was just being carried by his yards after catch guys and, and all that stuff. It's possible Josh Allen could see a similar thing only with rushing volume as well. Yeah, I mean, we we could see Josh Allen be like I know this is a lazy comparison, but who's saying he can't be the new age type Cam Newton? Yeah. Who's saying he can't be that? I mean, we're going to get into Cam a little later in the video, but who's saying that's not the case for him because realistically the rushing volume is there, the progression as a passer even from year 1 to 2 was really evident. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if we en- ended up seeing that leap from Josh Allen, but Talking talk, talk about Josh Allen, we're going to go into our number eight guy. Actually, my number seven. Allen was my eight. I believe Allen's your seven, and Ryan's what, your nine? 
Uh, Ryan is my eight, I believe. Yes. Ryan's, okay, perfect. No, sorry. Okay. My, Ryan is my nine. You're correct. Yeah. Um, before we get into Matt Ryan, I just, we probably should have mentioned this at the beginning of the yeah. video. If you want the rest of our rankings, we're going to be discounting our draft guide starting on Monday. So our, our draft guide is going to be $3 instead of $5. Um, and then our all-in package is going to be the same price because that requires yeah. some in-season work. But if you want the rest of our rankings, again, we're only going to be going through 12 quarterbacks, 20 running backs, 20 receivers, and 12 tight ends for these rankings videos every Friday heading into your, uh, to your fantasy football drafts. So if you want the rest of our rankings, go purchase the draft guide. It's, it's like, I mean, $3. It's like a Starbucks, like not even yeah. a Starbucks coffee. It's like a fucking you, Starbucks tea. You, you, so. can, you, you can't even buy breakfast with that. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to have, <laughs> even if you just want our rankings, maybe you're new to fantasy and you're just getting, uh, you're just seeing the channel that way. If you're new to fantasy, just print off our rankings and bring them into the draft. If you don't agree with anything that we, we have on there, just cross it out. Like, um, there's a lot more value than just rankings in there. I will, I will oh, say that. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, we'll just talk about a little bit, like the team previews, the statistical projections, the bus, the breakouts. I mean, everything on that list, prospect profiles. I mean, everything on that draft prospect guide is- profiles. If you didn't catch out the, or if you didn't check out the, um, the rookie guide that we dropped after the NFL draft are really in depth and they're really yeah. cool. There's some film clips in there on the big name guys. And I think you'll really enjoy that. If you, if you don't know anything about these rookies, maybe you just saw that Damian Williams opted out and you have no idea how, uh, like if Clyde Edwards Alaire is worth the first round pick. I wrote his prospect breakdown. Yeah. I can assure you he is worth one. A hundred percent. And uh, I, I, I swear, I swear, I wrote the CD Lamb one before he came to my team. So no yeah. bias there. But anyways, let's segue back into the rankings. You guys already know of the value that we, that draft guide is going to have, that we have put in the time and the effort into it. But talk about Matt Ryan. I mean, we know the points on Matt Ryan. He is the one, one of the true threats in the league to actually have a chance at the, tr uh, the passing yardage and, and passing touchdown crown. I mean, we've seen it from him in the past. I mean, he's had a, one MVP year and a couple MVP level type seasons in his career. So, I mean, this for me is just a passing volume play. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons in 2019 ran the most plays in the league had a 66.7% pass split and 62% pass split in neutral game scripts, which were first and third in the league, respectively. I mean, this team added Hayden Hurst to replace Austin Hooper, uh, standout tight end. I ultimately think, as you guys know, Hayden Hurst is going to be able to fill his shoes. Offensive line starters are coming back from injury, and, uh, you know, the Atlanta Falcons still have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So, ultimately here... Not worse, also. <laughs> literally. Not to mention... I mean, this is a guy who's still throwing the ball to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on the outside. So, I mean, a bounce back is going to be in store for Matt Ryan. He's my quarterback seven ranked. And uh, I ultimately wouldn't be surprised if he had another top five season because simply put, that passing volume is going to be outrageous. Yeah, pretty much. He, he's basically Jameis Winston without the turnovers, in my opinion. Like, yeah. he's, he's going to throw the ball over <laughs> 600 times. I don't think it's even a question that that's going to happen. Like he is by far the favorite to lead the league in pass attempts, in my opinion, just because the Falcons defense lost Desmond Trufant, who was like their only good corner. And now they replaced him with yep. AJ Terrell. And I mean, they lost Vic Beasley who like, whether you think he was good or not, like, isn't like either way, like their defense sucks is my point. So uh, Matt Ryan is basically locked and loaded. And it's also an even year. If you believe that narrative that Matt Ryan's only good in even years. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that uh, little little fake stat that everybody yeah. throws around. Oh, it's it's the even odd, even odd. So that means yeah. it's gonna be good this year. Uh, uh, yeah, and let's not forget. I mean, uh, you you're talking about AJ Terrell and the Falcons defense. Let's just uh, keep in mind that in that division they hired 
the LSU, the LSU offensive coordinator was actually, you know, able to kind of pick on Terrell a little bit, but yeah, that I'm division I'm is all shootouts too. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. Like all shootouts. So um, on to the next quarterback. We're staying in the division here. Uh, our number nine consensus ranked quarterback is Tom Brady. And I know everyone on Twitter likes to make jokes at the Bucks of the 2019 Browns, but come on. Like, are you kidding me? Like Bruce Arians <laughs> is not Freddie Kitchens, even though he did coach under him. And um, Tom Brady is not fucking Baker Mayfield. Bra- like, just, just think about this objectively because the average fan really does, like, doesn't overthink this. I feel like it's the diehard fans that look way too hard into this. But Chris, uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brate, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, like, what – like Tom Brady is throwing them the ball. Like, don't overthink this. The offense is Bruce Arians' offense still. It's not Josh McDaniels. I don't know why people think that Tom Brady is going to come in and teach an entirely new system in a shortened offseason to 11 new guys on offense. Like, they will still air it out probably 525-plus times, probably not as much as they did last year because their defense is better. And if Brady is even 80% of the, his 2017 MVP form, he's a lock for top 10 quarterback. Like he, he's just absolutely a lock just because of the weapons that he has. His upside is probably not what we saw in 2007. If anyone no. says it is, it's probably, <laughs> but he might be damn close. Like he could, like his upside is probably a 40 touchdown season. Yeah. I just don't think, uh, again, we're, we're, we're going to see many 50 or was it 49 touchdown seasons? I think it was 50 many. or 51 or something. S- something like that. But I mean, as we mentioned, Brady to me is very like uh, mentioning Matt Ryan before. He's very similar to Ryan in the sense that, like, yes, you're not going to get much up rushing upside with Brady, though you could see a couple quarterback sneaks on the one yard line. We never yep. know. But wow. uh, I mean, his play is just passing upside. I mean, he may not have the overall volume that the Falcons will because I do think that the Bucs are going to be a good team. So they're going to uh, be in better game scripts than the Falcons will, simply put, because their defense is 10 times better than the. Falcons defenses, but ultimately here, don't look past it. Godwin, Evans, Gronkowski, Howard, as you mentioned. I mean, the efficiency should be there for Brady. And again, you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another 4,535 type touchdown season from the GOAT. And he'll be a top six, top four quarterback if he has 35 touchdowns and like 4,500 yards. Like, which I mean, is not outlandish production because Jameis Winston literally did it last year and he threw 36. For sure. So uh, mentioning uh, our another QB, QB in the division. Yeah, I mean, the, the, are we get like is just this the theme of like immobile, like passing upside quarterbacks in the division? Because I mean, Drew Brees is literally the exact same as Matt Ryan and Tom Brady are in terms of what they bring to fantasy. So again, as I mentioned, literally the exact same situation. The reason why Brady slightly gets the edge, in my opinion, is that I think uh, the Saints may have a more effective run game which they might lean on a little bit more to preserve. I think their defense Brees. is better than Tampa's too. Yeah. Oh, their defense is so They have like too. three top 15 safeties in the NFL, I think. Yeah. And arguably the best edge rusher in the league that nobody talks about in Cameron Jordan. I fucking he hate is, Cameron Jordan. Don't ever bring him up He's so good, man. Like I know, I know he's good, but he fucking, <laughs> he rips on the Bucks constantly. And I hate oh, him for it. Oh, well, I also met him in person. Quick little shout out. He came to my school a couple years ago. So I uh, met him, met Mark Ingram, Dolphin Bro, all those, all those lads. But I uh, got, their, got their signatures. But uh, I mean, we're talking about it. Uh, I mentioned in a recent ADP battles that we did that Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray are two of the most efficient backs in the red zone, which is ultimately going to be uh, the reason why I would take like a Brady and a Matt Ryan 
over uh, Drew Brees simply because I don't think the run games in the red zone are go- aren't going to be the same for the Bucks and the Falcons. Although I do like Ronald Jones, I don't Ronald think Ronald Jones that, is better than Alvin Kamara. What are you talking about? I'm just kidding. Easy, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I do think that the Bucks and the Falcons are going to pass the ball a little bit more in the red zone than, say, the Saints will. So that's ultimately why I have those two edging out Brees. But these guys are all pretty much like locked and loaded passing volume type guys uh breeze a little bit more for efficiency because i don't think he's going to throw the ball 600 times but i mean he is probably the most efficient quarterback of the last 20 years maybe outside of russell wilson like that that guy is phenomenal so he if he's outside of anybody's quarterback one rankings it's simply due to age because i do think if he is healthy he's going to be good in fantasy football yeah, and he started 10 full games in 2019 if you discount the games he left early in because in week two he, like, busted his thumb up or whatever. And he scored 24.2 fantasy points per game in those games. Like, he was incredible last year, and, it, and no one really noticed, including myself. Earlier in the offseason, I was like, oh, Breeze is done. Like, he was yeah. low-volume player last year. And then I was like, holy shit, he, why was he so good? Like, I didn't even realize how good he was last year until I, like, looked into it. And he would have been the QB2 on the season had like a based on points per game and which would have been higher than Dak and higher than Watson, higher than all those guys. And they added Emmanuel Sanders. They still have Jared cook. Kamara is actually healthy this year. It's not just the Michael Thomas show. And that's basically why I'm in on Drew Brees. Cause he actually has like more than just Michael Thomas as a weapon. So I love um, Kamara too. <laughs> yeah. And I love Kamara, Kamara. But he, was, he was banged up last year and he still yeah. put up that kind of numbers. So our, our QB 11 is another immobile old guy. <laughs> and that's um, Matthew Stafford. So according to Dr. Edwin Porras, who we had on the channel uh, talking about Matt Stafford's injury, uh, his back isn't, he's not really too concerned about his back injury. He thinks it's more of something that just requires time to heal. So that's, that alleviates some concern for me on Matthew Stafford. He was having the best season of his career before yes. his injury last year. Like that was, that was just, it's just a fact. Like Marvin Jones was going off. Kenny Galladay was going off. TJ Hawkinson had one game. Um, He's surrounded by plenty of weapons that can uh, elevate his production. I think the, the running back passing game will see an increase with DeAndre Swift, along with the two receivers that, as I mentioned, hopefully Hawkinson can take a step up. Danny Amendola will probably still be relevant in fantasy for some reason. Um, <laughs> and then in 2019, he posted the highest average depth of target of any quarterback. So not only was he throwing the ball a lot, he was throwing it downfield. And the defense lost Darius Slay. I know Jeff Okuda is a great prospect, but chances are he's not going to be as good as Darius Slay was uh, in his rookie year top 10 quarterback in the in the uh, top 10 cornerback in the nfl i mean it's hard for any rookie to live up to top 10 as position year one i mean Darius Slay was a big loss ultimately joining the eagles in my division unfortunately but yeah i mean when you're talking about stafford dude i mean this is the biggest wild card out of the top 12 in my opinion because i mean if we can guarantee a full 16 games from him where he's con- continuing at that he's going to be a top six quarterback he's going to be a top six plain and simple well, I mean, we saw it last year. He was the QB five for the first eight games, 19 passing touchdowns, limiting to five interceptions. He won, probably, in my opinion, one of the, one of the top MVP candidates in the, in the league. I mean, what they, they lost their what last eight games once he got hurt. I mean, it's just insane to think about. They started basically 500 in the first eight games. I think they were three, four and one. And then after that, they just lost out pretty much, got a top three pick, got Joe Fakuda. But realistically, if, if we can guarantee, I know we can't, saying a lot a full 16 slate from Matt Stafford I mean he's a shoe in to be in my opinion a top six option I mean it's just with the concerns I mean he could be had at a value at this point and even 11 could be criminally low on him to be quite honest he's that talented he has that much upside so I wouldn't be surprised if we're dead wrong in him by the end of the season 
Yeah, for sure. And into, uh, we actually have a tie at our quarterback 12. So we'll rip through these guys real quick and then talk about some guys that maybe just missed out in our top 12 quarterbacks. And again, as I mentioned, if you purchase the draft guide, you can get all of our rankings, not just our top 12. So uh, Gardner Minshew is actually our, uh, our first quarterback 12 because we have him and Carson Wentz tied. But we've talked a lot about Minshew. Uh, and by the way, he is ECR 23 and ADP 29. So we are way, 29. <laughs> way higher than the public and the experts on Gardner Minshew. And it's, to me, it's just simple math. We've talked about yeah. Minshew so much. I've mentioned the fact that he was a top three deep passer last year, according to PFF. It's a high volume passing attack. It might be the worst defense in the league. Inefficient run game. It's going to be the same thing this year. Plenty of explosive options. As much as Chris Conley isn't that good of a receiver, he can get downfield and make big plays happen. Same with D.D. Westbrook. D.J. Chark, Con- as we know, is a stud. LaVisca Chenault is also a stud. Like, uh, what, Sorry, what were you going to say there? I was going to say Chris Conley is like one of the, the most underrated receivers in terms of like real life. Like He's a good real-life receiver. He's just not going to produce a lot for fantasy, so people kind of view him as irrelevant. But in real life, I mean, he's he a good receiver. Yeah, he's big, he's fast, he can stretch the field. I mean, he still had, what, 750 yards last year. I mean, he, he, produ- he did produce in that small sample size. Not to mention, I mean, I don't know how much stock we're going to be really be putting into Tyler Eifert, but he was fully healthy last year, played a full 16. And they were bad in the red yards. zone. If Eifert can at least be a red zone target for him, which he was in Cincinnati yeah. that year, he was really good. That, that helps Minshew as well because they were bad in the red zone, the Jaguars. So, um, and Minshew has an underrated rushing aspect to his game. He had yeah. 64 carries last year, which was sixth among all quarterbacks. And he had zero rushing touchdowns. So if he has 64 carries again, you can expect the fact that he's going to have some rushing touchdowns. Like, he should have been the offensive rookie of the year last year. I don't care what anyone says. It should have been him. Had he not had, like, up and down times where he was getting benched and Foles was coming back in, like, he would have won it hands down. Like, he was better than Kyler Murray last year. Yeah, I mean, the only, in my opinion, Kyler did win it. The three that were, like, the ones I thought should have won it, if I mean, Josh it was Jacobs him. played the whole season, he would have yeah. won in hand. I was going to talk about Jacobs, and I was going to talk about, I mean, A.J. Brown. I mean, but yeah. we're not going to get into A.J. Brown right now because uh, this is about Gardner Minshew. And as you mentioned, in my opinion, we talked about how good Kyler was. Gardner Minshew had a better rookie season, plain and simple. I mean, in terms of advanced passing, in terms of every single statistic you can really look for, in terms of efficiency, I mean, he, he kind of, like, swept it across the board. You know, Kyler had Kyler, more money throws and, like, like um, big-time throws. That's why he looked better is because he had all those, like, flash, like, throws that made you be like, okay, this is why this dude was number one overall. For sure. I mean, I'm, this is not to hate on Kyler, but, man, like, Gardner Minshew, stop sleeping on him. I mean – He's the swaggiest player in the NFL, too. I mean, we're not even going to get into that, but that mustache is a galore. So ADP 29 just kind of pisses me off. I'm From like, a rookie the- quarterback who threw, like, how many? T- he threw, like, 23 touchdowns as a rookie last year or some shit. Like, and he was a sixth-round pick, and he's, gonna, he's going into his second year in a better system. Jay Gruden's a good offensive coordinator. It's a better system this year that he's going into with fucking Filippo has been fired 67 times in the last three years, so. Dude, I mean, guys like what? Fucking like Sam Darnold going going ahead of him right now? Not a chance. Not a fucking chance I would take Sam Darnold ahead of him. Uh, fucking who else would be going ahead of him? Like Teddy Bridgewater? Like Derek Dwayne? Or maybe? Like, I don't Dwayne, know. Like, Dwayne Haskins? Like, fucking. <laughs> I, I actually, like Teddy Bridgewater, I have a quarterback 18, so I actually don't hate Oh, okay, but, okay. Um, do you have anything else on Minshew or should we get on to uh, uh, no, we could, we could talk about Wentz. I mean, the, the viewers know how high we are on Minshew. I mean, it's evident in how much higher we have him than uh, ADP and ECR. I mean, ECR, you mentioned, what, 23, ADP, yeah. 29. I mean, that's just insanity. 
But talking about Wentz, I mean, we are a little bit lower on him, I would say, than consensus. I mean, ECR currently has him at, what, nine? I like Wentz, so I don't feel like I'm low on Wentz. I, I don't feel like it either. Yeah, ECR has him at nine. ADP has him at... 11. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately here, this isn't really us being low on Wentz. Like, maybe you guys can say, oh, Danny, the biased Cowboys fan, got Wentz out of the top 12. No, I mean, I had him at my 13th overall. Same with Corey. I mean, we're, we're respecting the fact that he's still ultimately a good option in fantasy. It's just the thing that's always going to kill Wentz is that he, A, fumbles the ball a shit ton. B, doesn't really have the outside weapons to have the upside, in my opinion, to stretch the field like you would expect a top fantasy football options. Yes, Jalen Reger is talented. Marquise Goodwin opted out. Alshon Jeffrey's been dealing with injuries. Deshaun Jackson's been dealing with injuries. Ultimately, his two best weapons are guys that ultimately aren't going to stretch the field. There's two tight ends, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. Yes, he's going to throw for touchdowns. He's not going to give you maybe the yardage you're looking for. He's probably going to throw in that 4,000 to 4,200 range. But he's a fine low-end one, high-end two, in my opinion. And while his upside could be 2017 again, I'm not putting any real stock into that because, again, we haven't seen it over the last two years. He still has those injury concerns. So I think QB 13 is ultimately a fair spot for him. I think you would agree because you have him there as well. Yeah, I, I look at him a little bit more optimistically in terms of the weapons. I think, um, like we've seen what even just an, a competent field stretcher does for the Eagles offense. In 2017, they had Torrey Smith, who's like nothing special. He's just a field stretcher. And their offense was humming. Like it was like Jeffrey was making plays. Ertz was making plays. Like everyone was making plays. Yeah. And they tried to like kind of replicate the same type of offense with Mike Wallace in 2018 as their field stretcher. He went down like early in the season. Same with Deshaun Jackson last year. So they haven't had a field stretcher in their offense for the last two years. And even with Marquise Goodwin opting out, I think between d and Rager, I think they're going to have that, that field stretcher um, who can get Ertz and Goddard the ball underneath. And if Jeffrey's able to come back, maybe get him involved and we'll see what Rager can do in the short game as well. I, I think like Carson Wentz is a good quarterback and he has improved weapons, whether they're like how much they're improved is, is the question, but I do think they are improved from last year and he wasn't terrible last year either. Agreed. I mean, uh, I fully agree. I mean, people are going to point. It's just the reason why I, I, I sound a little down again, I still have them the same as you is because people just say, Oh, he's a top four talent in the league. Yada, yeah, yada, no, he's yada. He's like a top like eight quarterback in the league. If, I, if you ask me. Yeah. So like, I, I, I agree on that aspect. I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback. He's a good real life quarterback. He still has the upside in fantasy, but again, the concerns kind of, uh, take him to 13, especially with the injuries as well. But the main uh, he's a solid uh, too. He can he can move the yeah. ball with his legs a bit too. For sure. I mean, uh, outside of the top twelve, I mean, we kind of had the tie for twelve. The main player we kind of uh, disagreed on. I mean, everything else is kind of status quo. But the main player we kind of disagreed on is Cam Newton. So I have him at twelve. You have him at twenty-one. So you can start off uh, why you're off Cam Newton. Yeah, my concern for Cam is not like necessarily his situation because I think he he's in a great system for what he can do at this point in his career, and he has decent weapons. My problem is his injury history. And like, I, I don't want to draft someone, especially again, we mentioned this at the quarterback position, you shouldn't be spending up when you can go to the late round methods. And Cam Newton's a huge fucking name in fantasy football. And I, I always stay away from big names, especially when I don't agree with their outlook. And he's played 16 of the last possible 32 games he's played or he could have played in uh, via sportsinjurypredictor.com. He has uh, a 45% chance of missing games next year. I just don't think it's worth drafting him as like a high-end QB2 where he's going. And I just think his risk outweighs his reward. Last year, he was, 
Um, earlier in the video, you saw me put up his, uh, his ADP. He had injury concerns going into last year. And guess what? They, they bit you in the ass if you bought him uh, at a discount, quote unquote, where he was like a ninth round pick still. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see that. It's just, man, his production when he's on the field, which is why I have him at 12, is ultimately what gets him here. I mean, in seasons, he's played all 16 games. So that would be 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2017. Each of those seasons, he was top five. And in the seasons that he didn't, it's been three years since those seasons is my, like at least three years since those seasons. It's, it's not that I don't think he has upside. He obviously has like top seven, top six upside if he's healthy, which is a big, if I just think guys like Gardner Minshew, Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, big Ben, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, like give me these guys over Cam Newton because they're just less risky. Yeah. I mean the the only, and they're cheaper too. The only risk I can really attribute mostly with Cam, in my opinion, would be the injury concerns. But, I mean, I don't think New England would have signed him if they were, like, really scared about the injuries. Like, yes, he maybe maybe hobbled week one, like, trying to, like, resort back to form because, again, he did miss a full year. But, I mean, now he signs with the greatest coach of all time, one of the best OCs in the league, a guy who, outside of 2019 where he didn't play, I know, I know that's the biggest question mark, had one season where he didn't finish in the QB1 range. I do think, like, even at QB12, uh, we kind of mentioned the discount last year didn't work out. But I think QB12 this year, in that system especially, is going to be a type of discount. Because realistically, like, it bakes in the risk of him getting hurt. Because if he's healthy, man, like, basically the exact same stuff we said with Josh Allen applies to Cam Newton, only it's in a better system, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's not that, like, I'm not saying that Cam Newton's discount isn't baked into his risk, because I, I think it is. And if it wasn't the quarterback position where I don't think there's like very many risky options at all. Like try and pick a bus candidate at quarterback. Like it's actually hard. Like there's they're, all it of is. them have like decent upside and they're all going late. That doesn't matter. So Cam Newton to me is just one guy that I'm going to avoid because I think of the like 25 rosterable quarterbacks in fantasy football, he's like one of only like three or four guys that has enough risk to the point where I'm out. That's definitely fair. I mean, he's definitely a, a flavor type option in the sense that like, if, you, if you're going to be more risk-averse, he's not you're going to be your option. If you're looking for the upside, maybe he is. But uh, I can definitely see that. So it's fair if you want to be cautious on him 100%. But I, I, I definitely uh, – I'm a little more willing to buy into him per se. But, yeah, definitely fair. I just wanted to talk about it on the video because I know he's a widely uh, debated topic in fantasy football this offseason. So I just wanted to get the, uh, the subscribers a little view on that uh, discussion. But, yeah, uh, I mean, this was the top 12 – quarterback video i mean we're going to be doing this for wide receivers running backs and tight ends in the upcoming weeks uh anything you want to add before we kind of head out of here Corey? no make sure you guys like the video comment on the video i'm sure you're gonna disagree with something that we we said here but um we'll have some spirited debates in the comment section if you're new to the channel make sure you subscribe as i mentioned check out the draft guide if you haven't already and uh join the discord with fantasy season approaching there's a lot of um uh questions that you might have about if you're on the clock in a draft and you want some advice, there's plenty of people. We answer quick in there. We're on it within like a couple minutes as soon as someone asks a question. And there's informed, good fantasy players in that group, especially if you're a new fantasy player and you want to just get the opinions of other people who might be more experienced. The Discord's definitely the place to do that. So make sure you check that out. For sure. And uh, yeah, so next week we're going to be heading into our top running back. So stay tuned because, I mean, that's going to get very spicy. But yeah, excited to bring that to you guys. As Corey mentioned, like, comment, subscribe down below. And uh, we're going to head out. So peace out. Peace.